0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 140 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 29th of March 2015 entitled Genesis Account Part 17 The Affirmation of God's Judgment Part 2 and the Bible reading is taken from Genesis Chapter 3 verses 1 to 24. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand this morning to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word, beginning in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, when the woman said that the tree was good for food or saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat the eyes of them both were opened they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? The woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. But to Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, The man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Father. Thank you again, Lord, for the glorious privilege that we have to be gathered in your house this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we know that our presence here is not in vain because you were here. Thank you for your word that you have preserved for us through the centuries and that we have before us here today. Thank you for your spirit that lives and dwells within, and it's upon him that we depend totally at this time, Lord, to make this word alive into our hearts. Speak to us, Lord. You know every heart here today. You know what most needs to be heard. You know, Lord, the work that needs to be done in each of our lives. So we commit this time into your hands. Pray that you would do what only you can do, that you would receive all the glory and honor for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. In our series on the Genesis account, as we Continue this morning. This is the 17th in this series from the book of Genesis. The importance that it is as a fundamental foundation to the faith that we hold so dear. And of course, what we have begun looking at last week and continue this week is that it is here in the book of Genesis that we also find the foundation laid for our understanding. We find that it's here in the book of Genesis that we can see the affirmation of God's judgment. God's judgment being shown, being declared, there being absolutely no question about it whatsoever. we said many things concerning judgment last week, which we... We'll not go back and and look at again, but we simply talked about the fact to begin with that we all make judgments every day of our lives. But the judgment that we're looking at here is the most important of all, and that's God's judgment. We talked about that really all judgments, when we break them down, we could break them down into two categories, a positive judgment and a punitive judgment. A positive judgment being one that brings something positive from it, something that brings a reward, something that one is gained for, and a punitive being just the opposite, one that brings some kind of punishment, some kind of discipline, something in a more negative sense with it. Now, sometimes this is in actual things that happen or things that are given or taken away, Sometimes it's actually in the actual acceptance or non-acceptance of something, but judgments are passed on all of these things. And so we began to look last week at what we meant by a positive judgment, and that was the first judgment that we see in the Word of God. And we said there that as we look through Genesis chapter 1, we find the creative act of God creating everything that exists. And of course, in creating everything that exists, when he got down to judging what he had created, we find that the chapter closes out with God not only passing this judgment of it being good as he did it, but when he got finished and he looked at all of creation and everything that had been done, he said it was very good. It was abundantly good. And we said that in actual fact, what he said, it's abundantly good. There was nothing that was not good about it. Everything about it was good. And so God passed his positive judgment upon that. And we also looked at some of the positive things that came from that as a result. We saw that as we continue to look through Genesis chapter two, that there were many things that happened as a positive result of God caring for them. God's judgment, when we look at it, and it's very extremely important that we understand that as human beings, we are almost always dealing with uncertainties, We find that we deal much with relativity, what something is good or bad. We're judging it in relation to all kinds of different things. But of course, all of the standards that we have, as we've already seen in our previous studies, are tarnished by the curse. We have nothing pure about us. We have nothing pure in that which we have here on this earth to set as a standard. You see, the only standard that really matters is God's standard. In Genesis chapter 1, when we saw all that God had done, everything that he had created, all that was here prior to being touched by sin, it was all good. There was not a thing that was not good. So that's really the standard that God has given us, that's the standard that really matters. We can have a confidence of knowing that God is a righteous judge. He is a perfect and a holy judge. Everything that he did there in the garden was right. It was good. Therefore, it was righteous, we would say. A perfect and a holy God can only create that which is good and perfect. And of course, he can only pass down judgment that is good, that is perfect, that is righteous. And that is a confidence that we should hold on to. But along with God's positive judgment on creation, there was that reward that came with it. Not only was it declared beautiful and perfect and good, but the reward that came from that was that life in the Garden of Eden that we see described so beautifully in Genesis chapter 2, everything that that encompassed. You see, at that point in time, through those first two chapters, all of God's creation, including you, Including me, including humanity, if you would, (laughs) that was in the loins of Adam there in the garden. It was all perfect. It was all without sin. There was nothing evil or bad about it. Now, I would remind you that we need to keep in mind a few of these things that we've already established when we've looked through these passages in recent weeks. Everything that God builds, everything that God does is on a solid foundation. He doesn't build anything on the sand that time will wash away. Everything in God's word is built on a solid foundation. The Bible speaks of line upon line and precept upon precept. We've looked at these portions of scripture in recent weeks, we've already seen the scriptures lay down that foundation for the accountability of mankind, that we are accountable to God. There is no question about the accountability that's there. The only question is whether that we accept it and live accordingly We can't take away the accountability. Every human being is accountable to his creator that gave him life, that sustains his life, and that's the one that he's answerable to. We have already seen in looking at these verses, when we read this passage before, we focused in on the acuteness of man's fall. And sin came in and the enticement of the woman that we just read about, the greatest error that man ever made, that estrangement, separation that came from God because of that, the enmity with Satan, the encompassing of that curse and all that it took in. thats still with us today. And of course, we also must keep in mind, (laughs) we talked about the atonement of sin. God already had a plan in place. And we looked at that atonement. Now again, all of that is important in understanding God's judgment. It is the balance of God in tying all of these things together so perfectly that is exciting. this past Wednesday night to morning this morning in the Bible study time for those that, that weren't present, we've been looking at some things about knowledge, science, the knowledge that comes from God, how important that it is. We love knowledge. But all true knowledge, all true science must have God at the root of it. It's not man's knowledge in itself that's bad. It's man's knowledge is tarnished with the sin and the curse that we see right here. And many cases go so far that he takes God totally and completely out of the picture. We appreciate knowledge. The Bible teaches us that it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of knowledge. You can't have true knowledge if God isn't part of it. I made a statement last week. It's been repeated a few times during the week that God is not looking for innocent people to punish. He's looking for guilty people to forgive. He's not going around like some ogre trying to figure out who he can hurt, who he can get next. None of us are innocent. We are all guilty. And the truth is, is that it's not God's will that any of us would perish. We can also state just as unequivocally today that God's judgment is not meant to be either positive or punitive. Now, preacher, you've said that all judgments can be put into one of those two categories, positive or punitive. I'm saying to you that, yes, the judgments can be put there, but God doesn't judge for it to be positive or for it to be punitive. It's meant to be righteous, it's meant to be right. Wherever that it falls in that is fine. You see, God's judgment isn't meant to be positive or punitive. It's meant to be righteous. It can never be wrong. It's always right. With God, there is only one kind of judgment, and that is righteous judgment. We talked last week at the danger of us passing wrong judgments on all kinds of things But with God, that's never a danger. (laughs) The close of chapter one, we saw the declaration of God's righteous judgment on all of creation when he said that it was very good. All of creation was good, was perfect in every way. There was nothing bad about it. There was nothing that could be judged as being not good. Chapter two, as we read through there, He gives us this greater detail of God's creative act and how he did it and just a, a glimpse of the beauty of the Garden of Eden and what it was like without sin. We find man and woman, God's creation, in this beautiful, perfect, sinless environment that no, we can't understand it because we've never seen anything like it. We see them being given everything that they needed. God supplied it for them. We see that chapter closing out with the oneness of that man and that woman. No longer two, but one in total and complete innocence there in the Garden of Eden. But then as we move into Genesis chapter 3, we're still in the garden. And here in Genesis chapter 3 is where we see the very antithesis of everything that God had done in the first two chapters. We see sin. It could not be more opposite. It could not be more at odds with God's goodness, with God's holiness. It is at this point that we see God pass his next judgment his righteous judgment. But whereas we saw that the first one was a positive judgment, this one is most certainly punitive in nature. Remember, back in Genesis chapter 2, Verses 16 and 17, this is not something that God just pulled out of the hat. God had given Adam specific instructions and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. God could not have been more clear. He couldn't have been more specific. What happens here in chapter 3 was not an accident. When we looked at the fall of man and the curse, we saw that Adam was not deceived. He knowingly and willingly disobeyed God's commandment, knowing precisely the consequence of what it would bring, that it would bring death if he did it. I think, well, how could he be so stupid? I mean, he knew exactly what it was going to cost if he did that. Sadly, the same way that we can sometimes be so stupid, the same way that we can know precisely what God has said, And the consequences of doing otherwise and yet still not heed it. We look around the world today, why is it? God could not be more specific about his desire to give man life, to give it to him more abundantly, to give it to him eternally, to bless him, to do all of these wondrous things to one day as we saw also the abolishment of Satan and the curse being no more. But yet, people reject it every day. Though it is as clear as it could possibly be. In short, we said last week that in looking at this, we could really see the foundation laid for the reality of understanding so many times we, quote, things so flippantly in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Bottom line, this is when Romans 3.23 became a reality. Prior to this act, everything was good. Everything was as God had made it. Everything was without sin. Everything was showing the glory of God. But it was here when this sin was committed. And we won't go back through all the things I know. We went through all the things of Satan's temptation and all the things that were said there and all the things that were done and how far that it all reached. But what I want you to realize and understand this point in time, right here in Genesis chapter 3. That's when Romans 3.23 became a reality. Because not only did Adam sin in the garden, but we saw how that sin has been passed on to every one of his descendants. The glory of God was lost. You see, if you'll allow me to put as simple as it can be put, God commanded. Man disobeyed. God's punitive judgment, which he had already been warned about, was handed down. The penalty was delivered. And anybody in their right mind knows that God could not act any other way and remain just and righteous. We looked at some illustrations there last week of how callous that we would see something that took place in a court of law in our land. If it were carried out in the way that we expect God to act, in the judgment of our lives. You see, God could only judge righteous. He couldn't say that it was good if it was bad. He couldn't say that if you do this then it won't really matter. <laughs> it won't really matter if you don't listen to me. You see, we read there in verses 14 15 we find first of all that the judgment was handed down on the serpent. The serpent was told that he was going to crawl on his belly and eat dust for the rest of his days. Of course, we had that great promise too. (laughs) Great to us, not so great for him. (laughs) But one day, this enmity that was put between him and the woman's seed, one day, one day that seed would be the end of him, would be the abolishment of him. So Satan was judged. He was judged then and there, but he was judged for all of eternity. He was told just as sure as God said it would happen there, just as sure as when he told man that it would happen, it's done to the woman. Can you try to stop and imagine? Now, I know that all of you haven't experienced childbirth. Some of you have. And if you haven't experienced it, you've most probably seen somebody that has experienced it. Now, if you haven't actually been there when the baby was born, as I've had the privilege to do a few times, (laughs) you've seen her. it comes seven months, eight months, and they're barely able to walk, (laughs) and they're having all these aches and pains and all these places and everything, try to imagine. Try to imagine a world. Because you see, it's that that the woman has to get over in order to get up the courage to have another one. (laughs) I think any woman will tell you that, boy, the blessing of holding that baby and having that child, there's nothing like it in all the world. Imagine having the blessing of that baby in your arms and there was not one iota of pain. That's the way it would have been. (laughs) But it's a way that woman never got to experience (laughs) because sin came in too soon. I'm not convinced that that was the only pain that the curse brought with childbirth either. As we read through, I mean, of course, that is a physical pain. But there's an awful lot of emotional pain that comes with it as well. We find that, what about the barrenness of a woman that wants to have a child and can't? We find that all through Scripture, and many times it took the intervention of God to overcome that. What about the trauma that a woman goes through when she has a miscarriage or a stillbirth? You see, that wouldn't have been possible before sin came in. It couldn't have been part of bringing children into this world. And even the instances where sometimes a mother it even cost her her own life. During childbirth, bring a child into this world. You see, all these are huh, pains of childbirth that would not have been present in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> they wouldn't even have been known. We find here that two of Woman's greatest blessings. He says there in chapter 3, verse 16, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Two of the greatest means of the special blessing that we had in chapters 1 and 2, when man and woman were made in God's own image and the joining of that man and that woman together as one. You see, it is that relationship, that marriage, that relationship of, of family, that relationship of oneness, and, of course, the childbearing that we see tainted by the curse here. The blessings are still there. <laughs> we still look for that special oneness that God wants for two people that come together as one. We know that there are many, many, many things because of the fall, because of the curse that try to disrupt that, destroy that and make it all kinds of things, but that's still what we look for. And for those children that God gives us and blesses us with, You see, those blessings are still there, but now they are not without pain. And the pain is there as part of this punitive judgment that came as a result of that sin. Then the man, boy, he gets the longest (laughs) And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken For dust thou art, and to dust shalt thou return. You see, again, the punitive judgment can only be understood in light of the positive judgment. God's standard that is being looked at against. And we understand that in the Garden of Eden, man had responsibilities that had been given to him. (coughs) Before the fall, the blessings were so tangible and so real, all the fruits of his labors were there, but without all the toil and hardship to have them. Those blessings are still there. But just as the woman, not without pain, it was now going to be hard work. (laughs) hard work that he would work for all the days of his life just to be able to eat and to survive, and at the end of it, physical death, back to the dust of the ground. Wow. not that pretty harsh judgment? No. Matter of fact, there's something that's totally missed here by so many people that try to say, wow, what a, what a cruel God you have. You see, God's compassion is clearly seen here also. What did God tell them back in chapter 2 would happen? Thou will surely what? Die. No question. God said, Adam, don't do this. If you do this, you will die. Do you know that God would have been perfectly legitimate and in his right at this moment in time just to wipe them off the face of the earth and be no more man. God had already told him, if you do this, you're going to die. God could have squashed him out like a fly and there would have been absolutely. Nothing wrong about it because God had already told him this is what happens. But he didn't. Why? We talked about that in great detail when we talked about the atonement. If you you weren't, you can go back and listen to that one. How that God first showed his compassion there in the garden, even in the simple act of covering them when they were naked. We see here that although he could simply have just applied the death penalty, immediately he did not. Oh, death came immediately, and it came immediately in the spiritual realm because sin is what brought that separation from God, and God's presence is essential for spiritual life. You cannot have spiritual life without God. We find that, of course, as we saw when we looked at the atonement, God had put a plan in place. To restore that spiritual life, to make us one with Him again. Thank God. Man sinned. Part of the judgment was, yes, spiritual death then and there. And God's punitive judgment, it does bring some immediate consequences. Adam and Eve were now excluded from the garden. The rewards that went along with that, many of those things that had been theirs. Under the positive judgment, we're no longer. But God still gives them an opportunity. <laughs> he still allows them to be part of his plan to replenish the earth. To see his promise of Genesis 3.15 fulfilled through the seed of that woman. Even though it was now a cursed earth. Even though they were facing the penalty of their sin, God was still offering life. God was still giving life. He also still enjoyed them to enjoy the fruits of their labors. Yes, now it would come through toilsome work, but it was still there. And, of course, chapter 3 closes out with God clothing them with those coats of skins and then expelling them from the garden, their judgment was delivered. Delivered in full. But when it's necessary for God to act with his righteous judgment in a punitive way, when he must carry out those necessary penalties His love and compassion is always there, and His love and compassion always shows through. God's judgment cannot be without love. God is love. God cannot act in a non-compassionate way, in a non-caring way. It is His mercy and His grace that gives us hope. You see, if we didn't have the Genesis account, if we didn't have these foundations of understanding here, and it's what mankind has had right down through the centuries since God, first of all, passed it on. And we'll see as we look at some future chapters that even though the word of God wasn't written yet, it's clear that God's word was being passed on and eventually God does, first of all, in those stones. But then later the scrolls, the parchment. God gives us the account. The account that we have before us that he's preserved for us to help us at least understand a lot of the pain that's associated with our life. Why did God create us and yet Why do we have to go through so many of these things that we have to go through? Why is life so hard sometimes? God didn't remove all of his blessing as he could have. You know, life is full of challenges, frustrations. They're encountered in the whole realm of family life and childbearing and work and all of these things that we see here. God's hand of blessing is still still there. But for the time being, we have to realize that it's being experienced from the perspective of a broken people in a broken world. God's not the one that broke it. (laughs) That's why we have the standard here that we can see, thank God We've already seen one day that that curse will be no more. It will be gone and life will once more be filled with God's blessings without the taint of the curse like we see in the first two chapters of Genesis. It will be that way again. God will set up his kingdom upon this earth. There will be a new heaven and a new earth and it'll all be without the punitive judgment that is ours because of the sin we find that the first Adam, we get a glimpse of that positive judgment of God. But we also see the punitive judgment that we still live with. But we look for the return of the last Adam, (laughs) the one that will restore everything to that glorious state. To when it was very good and nothing could be judged not good. Oh, how glorious it'll be once again. So I want to give you this thought in closing this morning. Folks, we see from these verses, we don't have to go around on we see the certainty of God's judgment. But we see the certainty of God's judgment always, always, always being righteous judgment, it cannot be wrong. But we see the certainty of God's righteous judgment always being accompanied with his love and his compassion. And I close off with this verse that we saw last week in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness but is long-suffering to (laughs) usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. (laughs) That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for all of us. It's the day that we're looking for that is ahead that we can enjoy, but it's the day that we must act upon now. Father, we thank you this morning that, Lord, as we try so hard to look at what you've given us in your word, to apply it to our lives in a way that would make sense. Lord, we're reminded, first of all, that this sin that entered in, that death did come with it. And Lord, we're reminded that It is not your will that any should perish. You did have the plan in place. And Lord, that even here today, right now, Lord, that it's not your will that any should perish. Lord, if there's anyone under the sound of our voice today that does not know that they've been restored in their relationship to God, they've never come by faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work. Father, in the coming week, we'll be thinking much about his crucifixion and his resurrection. But Lord, it's every day that that's the only message, that's the only thought, that's the only way that anyone can be restored to that life that was lost here in the garden. Lord, we pray. We pray today that if there be one here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, Father, please. Please help them to understand Adam knew the consequences, and he ignored it, and he suffered the consequences. But Lord, help them not to ignore today the straight and simple message that you've given us. Help them to understand today that they have fallen short of your glory. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Help them today to exercise that faith. And Lord, for any Christian here that's hurting, that maybe maybe they're going through some of those struggles, through some of those tough times, I pray that you'd help them to be reminded of the glory of your creation and Lord, what it will be again one day. But the right now, we are a broken people. It is a broken world. But Lord, I pray. I pray that you would help them to have the faith, the confidence, the hope. The only hope that... Lord, we'll change that for now and in eternity. In his name is Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.